This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. I feel like and I got I'm a little too... <laughs> gravel going on this got week. A gravel going. Mm-hmm. I ate some gravel. Uh huh. And this is what my voice sounds like now. Gravel gang. Gravel gang. Oh, gravel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yes. Um, I was gonna make a like a joke about how I was gonna inv- invite you to my uh, secret society. It's very mysterious where we re- where we really go to town on eggs Benedict and we eat them all up and we think they're delicious. That sounds great. Have you so ever like that's my so that's my idea for the intro. Have you ever made eggs Benedict? I haven't made them because I don't want to do the like swirly hot water egg poaching dance yes Uh uh-huh i've done it once when i proposed to laura and i bought specific little egg bags to for the swirling egg bags (laughs) and she was like what are you doing Uh i was like i bought these egg bags to make eggs benedict and then you make craig's benedict well you know really uh also, I was fully dressed for like a 9 a.m. brunch in our own house, and she was a Yeah, that probably gives it away. When I did Susanna, it was like I just kept asking her exactly when she was planning on being home from school or mm. whatever it was that she was doing at the, t- at the time. I think I had like... And she was like, why are you... Why do you keep asking? <laughs> <laughs> I think I had been like, in two weeks when I don't have a thing with work, I will make you brunch. Get mm. ready. Okay. So I think she had a, an inkling, but the mm-hmm. wearing jeans and a button down at 9 a.m. was really the dead giveaway. Yeah, I mean, jeans at 9 a.m.? What are we? The, the On Pope? a Saturday morning <laughs> in our in our own home. <laughs> so this is our book podcast where every week one of us reads a book that we've never read before. And yep. we tell our good friend and buddy about it. Uh-huh. And uh, this week, Craig read the book, yep. and he, he read, what did you read, Craig? The Mysterious Benedict Society by Trenton Lee Stewart. And Mr. Stewart didn't include any eggs Benedict in this book. Yeah, that's that's the, why it was why I thought the joke would be funny, because it was like a wordplay on, on Benedict, even though... And then we wouldn't have to talk about it again, because I don't think eggs come up in this. That's what I'm saying. I'm kind of yeah, annoyed that there's no eggs here. Anyway, we can start a mysterious Benedict Society where we go out and have eggs Benedict prepared for us because it is too hard to do at home consistently. <laughs> there are five instances of the word eggs in this book. Hmm. Uh, and what, what's the context? Rhonda's coming with toast and eggs. It's okay, a tray so of eggs. wheat toast and eggs. The platter of toast and eggs. Does it specify what kind of eggs they are? They could be poached. Um, I think they're scrambled based on a later oh. scene where everybody's hanging right. out eating eggs. Okay. Um, so really, one, really whiffed it. Really one whiffed sentence, it. because you're good eggs. So a metaphorical, <laughs> you know, everybody's good But a real good missed egg. opportunity to to do something with like the Benedict and the eggs Real Benedict. miss. Okay. Swing yeah. and a miss. Trenton Lee Stewart, a- apart from not maximizing his wordplay potential, yeah. here's some stuff about him. He was born in 1970. He's an American author based in Arkansas. Craig, guess what he's a veteran of? I saw this. But da da da, the Iowa Writers Workshop. Also Hendricks College, but yeah, the Iowa Writers Whatever, Workshop. Because if you go to the Iowa Writers Workshop, it's always at least one paragraph in your Wikipedia article. Well, yes, they're, they've got their little messengers out there. It's true. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, so he attended that in like in the mid '90s. Taught writing for a few years, and then uh, he published his first novel, which was called Flood Summer in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, most of what he's done has been Benedict Society related. Uh, there are five books in total as of right now. Uh, one of them is a prequel to the original. Uh, so you got the Mysterious Benedict Society in 2007. Yeah, 
The Mysterious Benedict Society and the Prayerless Journey in 2008. The Mysterious Benedict Society and the Prisoner's Dilemma in 2009. And then it takes a break. Uh, he comes back with a prequel, The Extraordinary mm. Education of Nicholas Benedict. Now, did he learn to make eggs in this book? I don't know. This isn't the one we read, but, you know. <laughs> you know. You know what I'm talking about. I do know. And then he comes back in 2019 with a book called The Mysterious Benedict Society and the Riddle of Ages. Ooh. So the first three were kind of conceived as a as a trilogy. He he well he he so in a uh interview with geekdad.com. Oh yeah. Um, he's quite quite long, quite uh Long-winded, this fellow, which I don't know if that comes up in the book it's at all. It kind long, of surfaced uh, in a in a Kirkus review I read. I think I don't. It's a long book. Long. It feels it feels long for the intended age group. You know what I mean? It moves fast. It doesn't feel sluggish, um, but it was longer than I expected it to be. And and so he said, you know, basically it was it was going to be one book, and then as soon as somebody, you know, as soon as it met with some success and someone started talking about a second book. I was like, well, I guess I'll write three. And then they asked for a second just, one, <laughs> sir. <laughs> yeah. And so he did. So he did a trilogy. The first three kind of conceived as a trilogy. Uh, and then he did a prequel because prequels were what you do. And then yep. he was thinking, you know, the, the 10th anniversary oh, okay. uh, release of the original was, was coming up in like 2017. And he was like, you know, what if I, you know, I, I, think about these characters all the time because I'm always answering sure. like kids letters about them. Like what if we check back in with what they were doing when they're like a little bit older. And and so that's when he started writing the, the latest that's one. cool. Yeah. And then the standalone book called the secret keepers in 2016. And that's pretty much it for Trent, which is what he goes by. I think okay. judging from the geekdad.com interview. Sure. <laughs> um, this series was adapted to a TV show on Disney plus in 2021 with uh, arrested development and veeps. Tony Hale. Tony Hale. Nicholas I remember Benedict. that. Yeah. Uh, Christian Shaw's in it too. Um, uh, it got a second season in 2022 and then it was canceled in January of 2023. And then it was removed from the Disney plus service in may of 2023 and there is currently as best as i can tell no way to actually watch this so oh. i hope that you are not learning about the series from us because there's nothing you can do about it support right the writers in sag after strike that's what yeah. you can do if you yeah. ever want to watch things like this in the future ran ran for two years was canceled and then months later totally removed with no recourse and no explanation aside from you know, like hand wavy money reasons cost too much money to keep the one computer with this file on it up. <laughs> right. Sorry, this the cost of streaming this series, which we canceled because it wasn't doing well, is so high that we have to take it off our servers to reduce the load. <sighs> media. Yeah, yeah media. <laughs> uh, so these books have been compared. I think the the comparison I saw the most frequently was uh, the lemony snicket Which, series of unfortunate honestly, event books like every every yeah. like little note to myself about what this book reminded me of if i had ever read a lemony snicket i haven't read any lemony snicket oh dang <laughs> we're saying this out loud but, but i but I, but i know that they are all part of this like eccentric weirdo and gifted outcasts genre yes, of sure of book which we've read others of on, on the show in our long history, yeah but. i think based on the the title alone and some of the art, which I, I want to mention in just a second, I thought that it was going to be more um, super, like supernaturally, more uh, fantasy. -y. I don't know. I didn't expect it to be kind of the uh, not quite sci-fi, but just kind of like you know, kids on an adventure story in the like yeah. mostly modern day which is what mm -hmm. it is um, yeah if you so if you want to draw a venn diagram in your head okay i do this, bo this book you. and like the lemony snicket stuff and some other stuff um uh trent's website sort of describes his books as a like <clears throat> his reference points are jk rowling and, and roll doll who you know, sure and for other yeah, 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 and yeah. for other reasons i guess <laughs> Um, and the Lemony Snicket books are Roald Dahl and, um, Edward Gorey. So, oh yeah. Okay. So we're both, we're, we're operating in this doll adjacent space where things are taking place in like a recognizable 
contemporary setting. But sometimes weird stuff happens. Like sometimes a big peach just goes and rolls over your ants, your evil ants, and it kills them. Yeah, <laughs> like for sure. For it sure. is it is less high fantasy than maybe you might expect for a book with this many words in the title. <laughs> and the and these words specifically also. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I just sent you some illustrations, Andrew. These are illustrations by Carson Ellis. There's okay. a there's a unique illustration uh with each chapter break with like the mm-hmm. chapter title woven into it um they're just neat i wanted you to see them because i wasn't sure if you would yeah no they're um, neat there's and like you kind of there's some i don't even i don't even want it like compared to anything else because i'll just tell you this is the same woman who does all of the work for like the decemberists art oh okay <laughs> because she's married to the husband to the guy in the decemberists oh okay i guess that's yeah okay i I guess i can see hints of that now in like the big elaborate ribbon on the one thing that you've that yeah like the clean lines but the you know it's a lot of black and white kind of grayscale shading yeah clean clean lines and like simple but expressive character designs i think i would i would say i would characterize it i shared with you the one from the chapter practice makes perfect where they all have to hide in a box together and you don't you don't know what's going on in in that chapter until like for another few pages but they're all four of the main characters are just crammed into this box on top of each other why are they all in this box (laughs) (laughs) uh she also she won a caldecott uh award for her picture book do is talk I think that's 2016, and it's a... This is some Rammstein. Well, it's a book about <laughs> bugs, and it has a made-up language in it, which I think Ooh. is one of the reasons that it was kind of noteworthy. Um, okay. And the, her other big project is The Wildwood Chronicles, which written by her husband, Colin Malloy, of the Decemberists. Sure. So. Wiki, wiki, wild. Wood. <sighs> Chronicles. <laughs> uh, um, the only other thing I had is like something that he said about the process of writing a mystery book sure, that yeah. I thought was of interest because uh as you mentioned to me in our in our prep this is kind of also playing in a like a western gamey kind yes. of place yeah. where you there is a and I think this is the case with all the books like there is a central mystery that's trying to solve and he is trying to you know surprise you at the end a little bit sure yes um, so this is one paragraph that I pulled out of this very long two-part interview. <laughs> that he did. Uh, because these books, as you know, depend upon these characters figuring out certain things that lead them to the next thing, whether it's a clue or problematic situation or a riddle. I really do have to outline the books in some way. I have to plan ahead because they all need to come together in a way that's really satisfying at the end, or that's the hope. I can't, I can't just sort of figure it out as I go. As I write, I do figure out how the characters are going to interact when they're trying to solve the problem and how the problem would reflect different things about their personalities and their relationships. Relationships. Uh, so that all continues to be surprising to me as I work on the book. But before I get too deep into the story, I have a general sense of the kinds of things they're going to have to do and where that's all going to lead. So we will talk about the mystery, I guess, and like whether you found it surprising or satisfying as as a mystery, I guess, as we as we do the plot. That's a great question. I had making a of, face. Yeah, I hadn't and thought I thought about it yeah. this way. Tune in after the break for more thoughts on this. But I that's an interesting way to think about. It is a mystery book, but what exactly constitutes the mystery versus mm-hmm. a series of Lemony Snicket mysterious events <laughs> um, is an interesting uh, point of comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's a, he does sound kind of like kind of a long-winded guy, which I'd say with much love as a, an no, occasionally can, long-winded yeah. guy. No, if, if you're going to be a writer, like it's good to be able to just go... <laughs> I also like the. I'm glad you found that quote where he's like, "I revisited these characters because, like, I'm you know answering letters from kids who read the books and stuff." Because yeah, we certainly cover plenty of authors who like they have mostly one series that's their thing. Like we were talking mm-hmm. about that with the Percy Jackson stuff, right? And like that guy has said multiple times, people talk to me about these characters all the time, and I want to make sure that I do right by these characters because they're very important to these kids. And like, yeah, you're going to keep making the thing for the kids. Yeah. And plus it, that makes it sort of a two way street. Like I, I, I'm not saying that, um, that these authors are like taking like an eight year old story ideas and being like, yeah, I'm going to do that. No, no, no. But you, it does just as a, like a character development or like plot development exercise to be 
put in a spot where you're constantly having to think about these characters and things that they might hypothetically do. Cause yeah. I'm sure they get tons of questions about like, Oh, what's, what's, what's happening uh, to them? What's, or, yeah. what's, uh, Nicholas Benedict's favorite pizza or whatever. Like <laughs> it's, you, by continuous exposure, it doesn't give you a chance to like just let the characters be. You have to kind of keep coming back to them, and that you know that births new work, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was a long-standing, old-school Patreon recommendation, Andrew. So we're crossing another one off the list. How many? Do you know how many more we got on the list? Like two dozen. Two dozen. Oh my god. I, I said thought that we were down to like five or six. Oh no no no! <laughs> okay, uh, but I, I said that to someone who who made sure who wanted to make sure that they their book was still on the list, and they're like, "That's pretty good, actually." And I was like, "Yeah, honestly, as someone who programs the show, yeah, it is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. We're making it. I mean, at least we're not adding new books to the pile. No, that was why we added the Patrons Choice poll, which this month is where are the children by Mary Higgins Clark. You can listen to where it if you Where are weeks. those children? They're in a box, I guess. They're I, I always in a box together. I have to remind like I always have to look up that title to know like which words are capitalized and is there a question mark? Mm-hmm. And the answer is all of them are capitalized and there is a question mark. Okay, um, so that's pretty easy. Yeah. But I I never think that's how it is. Anyway, Cora re- suggested this book uh, this book is a middle reader book that was one of my favorites when I was in the upper grades of elementary school slash middle school and definitely one of the most influential books in my life. And hearing about it would be filled with nostalgia. Um, I think that this would honestly make for the most entertaining episode. But whoa, uh, the book. Whoa, <laughs> what? that's just a tall order. I don't you know, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Um, the book is filled with fun plot devices and characters that would definitely sound different when read from an adult perspective for the first time. And I would love to hear your takes. I've got takes. So. All right. Great. You hope you love to hear them. All right, everybody. When we come back from this break, Craig's takes and what he thinks about the mystery at the heart of this mystery-ish book. Let's take a break. Craig, when you're making a website, mm-hmm. as I often so, am, as you so often do, yep. you don't want to be placed in a box. I really like, don't. You don't want to be placed in a wooden crate like four children in uh, middle grade mystery novel. I don't want to be boxed in. I don't want to be trapped. I want a lot of options, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. Well, good, good news, Craig. This podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, a website that helps you make websites. Ooh, you've heard about these guys before. I've told you they got a lot of good stuff that helps you make a good website. They have easy drag and drop tools. They have beautiful templates. You remember the templates. I do remember them. They have award-winning 24 seven customer support. They have support for like selling merch, uh, for doing email newsletters for all kinds of stuff. Yes. It's it's an all in one, one stop shop for making a pretty cool looking website. Yeah. (laughs) Here's some specific things we like about Squarespace. Craig, it's Mm. back. The the wave is coming. It's the fluid engine. They've next got the generation, fluid engine. <laughs> the next generation website design system from Squarespace. It's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with a best in class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. 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 Yes. Blogging tools. Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. Categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. And you can use analytics to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. If this sounds good to you, get out of that box. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, Andrew, where do you want to start with this book and your entrance into the society? I mean, how how do we how do we begin? Because I'm mm. when you are reading a book where a bunch of like orphans, yeah, <laughs> go, go to a weird place and or a weird person and start having adventures. Like the first couple chapters are always about 
Like, how did they find the wardrobe? Who killed his parents? Uh, you know, fun questions like that. So how's this one, how's this one get started? So um, this book opens with a series of tests. Kids taking tests. Oh, not tests that you have to take. No, not me. No, I don't have to take no. the tests, thankfully. Mm-hmm. I would not pass mm-hmm. the tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I've seen in some of the various... I've seen in like some user reviews, like I went and checked this out on like Common Sense Media and that kind of stuff. Uh, yes, and, excuse me, user reviews? <laughs> yeah, user reviews. Is that reviews. what we're calling them? User reviews on users the, of Common Sense the, Media. The, the users, users, of the of, users of this book have said, I, I did find a three-star Common Sense Media review oh. that said that the creepiness of this one was unpleasant. Yeah. My 12-year-old yes. did not like the bad things the adults were doing to the kids and doesn't want to read the next book. I agree. Does this have anything to do with the tests? Um, the tests no. Creepy? There are okay. things that happen later in the book that are woof. Well, okay. So now that we're done talking about what the book's users yeah. um, think about you want it. My what, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell me more about the, the tests so the, and it, where, what we're working toward. Our POV character, our, pro- our hero protagonist is Raynard Muldoon. Rennie Muldoon, and he is an orphan uh, in this town, uh, Stone Town, I think it's called. That's um, a good name. And he that's, has, a good, that's a good D and D. Like I just had called, to think of a town name. Name is it called Stone Town? I keep thinking of No Manson Island, which is yeah, it's Stone Town. Okay. Um, later they go to No Manson Island, but so he's in this orphanage, um, and he's got like this this woman, Miss Paramal, who occasionally comes and is like a teacher for him, and they have a really good relationship. Um, but she's she doesn't run the place. This other guy runs the place. There's like a an aside, like a a a running theme of this book is adults using children for their own ends. Uh-huh. Um, and there's like that's why I mean that's why you have them so they can go work in the fields for you or whatever correct or like they mm-hmm. you know some holes in the cave are very small right you yeah know. Mm-hmm. um uh <laughs> <I> t- <laughs> <laughs> just thrown off by my own cynicism um mm-hmm. but uh there's an aside where like the head of the orphanage that rennie goes to has refused his requests to go to like a different school like a boarding school that like he's a smart kid like he should probably go somewhere where he can you know have his skills developed and whatever mm-hmm. and there's an aside where it's like nah that guy gets paid by how many kids he has so like he doesn't want to let rennie leave like that kind yeah. of thing yeah yeah rennie sees a newspaper ad uh that says are, are you those? are you a gifted child looking for special opportunities mm-hmm. and it outlines this like test that you can show up and take. Okay. And and you might get special opportunities. That's all it says. Okay. I mean, this sounds like <laughs> sounds like some kind of entrapment, but sure. A little bit. But Miss Paramal's like scoped it out. Like she's made some calls while the people administering this test are kind of closed-lipped. They're not very forthcoming about what's going on. Mm-hmm. She is like, I'm, you know, going to drop you, you know, I'll help you get here and take the test and whatever. And there are a series of things that that you know lead to her not being able to to follow up with Rennie, and and he is re- reunited with her at the end of the book. Um, but once he starts on this path, like they are separated. Um, sure. So he goes to the first test, and it's sort of like in the movie Men in Black when Will Smith doesn't really know what he's being recruited for, but sure. he's taking the tests, and he moves that big table, and it squeaks like you know he's like kind of a round peg square hole guy yeah you know like clearly clearly capable but not fully clued into whatever the situation is yet exactly in um, the mysterious uh the mysterious men in black society <laughs> i was trying to think i was trying to get to like a place with mib being like yeah you got yeah something mysterious <laughs> okay anyway um and so the first test uh has like you know, some interesting logic puzzle questions on it. It also has kind of strange questions like, do you like watching t- television? Um, and Rennie's like, no, I don't really like watching television. It kind of mm-hmm. bums me out. Sure. Um, and there's a chess question. That I'm going to give to you, Andrew. See if you can figure it out. Ugh, okay. <laughs> Chessboard. The black pawn 
has been for- moved forward two spaces. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Okay. And the question is, according to the rules of chess, is this, like, valid? Can this happen? I mean, yes. Do you... Why? Because when you... The first move that the pawn makes, you can move it two spaces instead of one. Except... Mm-hmm. White always goes first. Okay. But it is a valid move. Okay. Because... So- <laughs> What? What kind of trick question is this? Later you find out that the the solution to this question is that the white knight could have moved and mm-hmm. then the pawn could have moved and then the white knight could have moved uh, back. Sure, sure, um, sure. But Rennie is the only character we meet that actually like solves that riddle. And when he talks to Mr. Benedict about it later, Mr. Benedict's like, why do you think that happened? He's like, well, maybe the player doubted himself. And like doubting yourself becomes like the relevant theme from that question. But it was kind of neat. Like I didn't have the answer up until they like spelled it out. It was kind of neat. I like I'm not that. a very good chess player because obviously I don't even know that white goes first <laughs> off the top of my head. But I do feel like seeing like the one pawn comes out and you get scared and you run your yeah. horsey back to where, to where he came from doesn't seem like... That's not the Queen's Gambit, you know? It, I don't think it is the Queen's Gambit. I think you're no. right. That mm-hmm. well, I didn't see that in that show, this specific thing. Um, mm-hmm. But so he is told that he passes the test, uh, and he has to come back to a different building the next day to take the next test. And outside of the test, a, and he said, they tell him, bring a pencil. Bring a single mm-hmm. pencil. You're not allowed to bring mm-hmm. more. And outside like of the... Number two? I think so. I don't know if they specify. What um, went so wrong with the number one pencil? What was wrong they... with them? <laughs> no one ever explained it. Uh, and a girl breaks her pencil outside of the office building where the test is going to take place. And Rennie sees her and she's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And he's like, well, I'll just break my pencil in half. Uh, I asked them yesterday if there would be a pencil sharpener and they said yes. So... You can have the writing half of mine, and then I'll just sharpen my pencil. And she's mm-hmm. like, cool, thanks. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, that was kind of weird, but okay. Uh, and he goes and he takes the test. And the questions are super hard. Like, it's trivia. How would you even know the answers to these questions? And the mm-hmm. kids who get the test early start, like, crying and puking and leaving the room because they're so, like scared of these questions right the tests are like asking them to identify all the pictures of motorcycles but they can't but they can't (laughs) do it (laughs) yeah that is definitely what all the questions are (laughs) Uh, that would leave me crying and puking i hate captures um Mm -hmm. yeah they captured you they i did get captured like a month ago i got trapped in a time loop with captures um but rennie learnt discovers uh in the 21st question of the 40 question test, like the instructions are like, read all of the questions. Right. Yeah. Classic. Classic test. Then start answering Gambit. them. Mm-hmm. In the 21st question, there are there is information that helps you answer the first question mm-hmm. and so on and so Because it's like trivia about like, you know, uh, different territories that have come in conflict. Sure, and he's yeah. like, I've never heard of these. And then the answers are in the other question, 20 questions later. And he's right. like, oh, it's, it's like just a puzzle. Story problems, but the story is serialized across multiple questions. Yeah. He's like, if yeah. I just flip this test back and forth, I can get all the answers and I'll get it mm-hmm. done you know, within the time limit, which he does. Mm-hmm. Very clever. Uh, but he is not the only kid who passes this test. Uh, the other kids who pass the test, there are four of them. And he meets two of them first. George Sticky Washington... What mm, do I? Mm, why do they call him Sticky? Um, I think it's because information sticks to him. He's very smart. Um, he's like okay. a little egghead boy. Um, I'm just like imagine if they called Encyclopedia Brown Sticky Brown, and because information sticks to him. I think that's why they call him that. I could okay. I could just think of so many more like flattering words for being somebody who's smart and has good like information retention. But anyway, everything I read sticks in my head is what he says. 
Okay, sticky. Um, also, he doesn't like that his name is George Washington because he thinks that means he's supposed to do something great and special and he doesn't think he can. Sure. So he likes going by sticky. And there's a whole mm-hmm. like running thing throughout the book about uh, people not calling him sticky even though he wants to be called sticky. Well, because, yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it is a name for sure that he I have, chose. I have, I, I can empathize with the people who do not want to call a, a child sticky. A child sticky. Yeah. Um, so he passed the quiz because he's literally read a bajillion books and he actually knew most of the stuff in that test. Right. Sure. The very hard test. Mm-hmm. Then there is Kate Weatherall. Uh, she has tried to get people to call her the Great Kate Weather Machine, uh, but it has not happened for her. All these people like not. <laughs> internalizing the lesson that you can't make a self self-determined nickname stick you know no she is um she spent time in the circus she's like an acrobat she carries a bucket with her at all times that has a bunch of cool stuff in it sure um and it's like strapped to her belt and she you know it's it she has it the whole book it's like a little a kind of a bag of holding full of all sorts of stuff yeah i was gonna yeah. ask like is this a mary poppins bag situation or does the bucket hold the amount of stuff that a normal bucket would it is hold? a surprising amount of things i suppose if i went and audited the physics it's not supernatural but it uh-huh. it is comical the types of stuff that she keeps in her bucket okay all right um and she didn't bother she didn't pass the test but after the test when all the parents were like why did you make our kids pass this like take this test and nobody passed it and what is going on here uh she helped the beleaguered uh woman administering the test like escape through the next room and so like passed a different test basically Mm -hmm. right uh the three of them are invited to pass some other tests uh navigating a room that one of them one of the one of the tests that i thought was neat was like you got to get to the other side of this room you can only step on the yellow tiles and you can't step on any of the black or blue squares Mm -hmm. and reddy notices that all the tiles are shaped like rectangles Mm -hmm. get it he just walks across oh because they're not rectangles because okay all right and (laughs) and sticky goes across on his hands and his knees so that he doesn't set foot on which is actually what what it says don't set foot on it Uh uh-huh and kate like uses her bucket and a rope to like acrobat across so like people have different forms of intelligence is what these kids are sure getting yeah and and yeah this this is all this does all seem to be lightly sort of wordplay or like finding the the logical loopholes in a thing based yeah like sticky will mostly kind of brute force stuff um there's one more test worth shouting out and this is when they actually get to uh the benedict house so number two is the name of the woman who's been administering the test she looks like a pencil um there is ron number two number two pencil or yep (laughs) what are we talking yep there is ronda kazembi who is actually the woman who was dressed like a girl who broke her pencil. It was a test. Okay. Which they all solved differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, there's a like, uh, a completely pitch black maze at the beginning of the Benedict house that they have to navigate. Rennie finds panels on the wall that you can feel and, like, there's arrows and then a wiggly line. And so he finds every every uh orientation of the wiggly lines on each panel and that leads him to the staircase kind of like mm-hmm. a maze sure um sticky washington takes a long time because he just memorizes it like he just wrote memorizes the path by bumping into all the walls and then finally mm-hmm. gets there and kate found an air duct and climbed through it and got to the stairs instead <laughs> and then they meet the fourth girl uh, the fourth kid constance contraire she's very very little Mm-hmm. And she's very, very contrary. Mm-hmm. And she had a picnic instead in there and didn't bother to solve it. She's very stubborn. That's like her superpower. Okay. So how does she, but how I, does she get through? Does they the, went and got her running this just test was like, just... I don't want to take it. And they were like, that's funny. We'll come get you. Huh. When you right. finally meet Mr. Benedict, he thinks Constance is hilarious. Yeah. They just, they just like her spunk. Instead of like. like answering the questions on the tests, 
um, for the one question that was like, what is wrong with the statement? She wrote, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and for the one, according to the rules of chess, she wrote, rules and schools are tools for fools. I don't give two mules for rules. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, as Benedict explains himself saying there are tests and then there are tests. Um, and the kids are like, well, that's weird. Uh, and so he has brought, he has recruited these kids uh, because there is something wrong in the world, Andrew, alluded to when uh, Rennie was... Now, you might have noticed, we're pretty far into the episode, and I have just introduced the title character, Mr. Benedict. You just introduced the title character, and all anybody has done so far is standardized tests. <laughs> so so they're, they're a like common, you know, it, a knock, it might even be too strong, but like the book is kind of slow to to develop but it is enjoyable to i found it enjoyable to read um it just it does not to not to give edit notes to a book from 16 years yeah, ago that sure. did just fine without my help yeah <laughs> it does sound like there are it's it is interesting using these tests to like showcase different ways that each of these kids approaches different mm-hmm. problems and like how it sets their characters up in in that way like it reflects but there's a bunch their solutions reflect their personalities but yeah it does start to feel a little redundant by the time you're like five tests deep yeah and and the it just feel like it is interesting to read like it is fun to like kind of suss out these little puzzles and to get the like little takes on how you might solve them different i like an escape room like a lot of this scratches like my escape room brain But like, uh, also, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? Like, you always have to be a, thinking about. There's a little bit of that. getting to the fireworks factory. There is a little bit of that. And if I and, were going to write a book about writing, I would. That would be chapter one. It's like you have to get to the fireworks factory. I think also like these passages are are pretty interesting, and like the kids' personalities are pretty compelling. And then when Benedict shows up and is like, "And here's the rest of the book," and you're like, "Whoa, there's more. There's a whole other book to do." Mm-hmm. It that feels like a lot. Um, okay. Anyway, so he is this interesting, kindly old man um, who uses a wheelchair because he has narcolepsy and like is in danger of falling over all the time. So he is like kind of strapped safely in a chair. Um, is so he like he has- a narcolepsy as comedic yeah, uh, sort punchline of. guy yeah. okay cool he mm-hmm. he uh isn't that a pa- mr bean thing he passes out as a result of strong emotion usually laughter so there's lots of scenes when he's meeting these kids where the kids make him laugh and then he passes out okay the guy who plays mr bean has narcolepsy in the movie rat race that's what i'm thinking yes about. <laughs> <laughs> it's a race Okay. That's a movie I saw in theaters and have never seen again. <laughs> All right, I have to stop. I get confused with Mouse Hunt. Which one is Mouse Hunt? Mouse Hunt is another movie. It, there's a movie called Mouse Hunt. Did it come out the same year as Rat Race? Is this an Armageddon came... Deep Impact oh, situation? Man. What is Mouse uh, Hunt? Okay, Rat Race came out in 2001. And Mouse Hunt came out in 1997, the year that all the best movies came out. Oh, interesting. Mouse Hunt has Nathan Lane in it. Whoa. <laughs> so anyway, I've got to stop interrupting you. That's fine. D- d- we're past the test. We finally have met all of our characters. Yes. We're establishing the Mysterious Benedict Society, which I assume uh, is Benedict and these four people and nothing else. Um, the Mysterious Benedict Society is a name that the kids give themselves after they embark on their adventure. And they realize that as a team... They need like a name. And let me just give you some of the other names that they uh, did not use. Oh, please do. Constance comes up with the name um, and just like le- like says it and then leaves the room. And they're all like, whoa, I guess that's our name now. Um, let me find it real quick. Uh, they need to come up with a name. And Kate says, I was thinking something like the great Kate Weather Machine and her stormy companions. <laughs> Her suggestion trying was trying to make it happen. <laughs> her suggestion was greeted by general silence and from Constance a stormy look indeed. Uh, how about the four kids gang or the secret agent children group? Uh, what a, Constance says, what about the doomed to fail bunch? We can't even name ourselves. 
Uh, and then Rennie's like, we should name ourselves after Mr. Benedict. And Kate says, how about Mr. Benedict and the Great Kate Weather Machine? <laughs> Jesus. Okay. And then Constance says the Mysterious Benedict Society and leaves the room. And that's their name. It's very okay. cute. Um, yeah. But so when we were reading the paper with Rennie, which is a, definitely a thing that an 11-year-old boy does, um, there's an allusion to something called the emergency, Andrew. Okay. It is the big news story for all time. Is Quote, this something that is is happening currently or has happened in the past? Been been happening, been ongoing. Happening. Okay. Mm-hmm. Things had gotten desperately out of control, the headlines reported. The school systems, the budget, the pollution, the crime, the weather. Why everything, in fact, was a complete mess and citizens everywhere were clamoring for a major, no, a dramatic improvement in government. Things <sighs> must change now, was the slogan plastered on billboards all over the city. And although Rennie rarely watched television, he knew the emergency, capital E, was the main subject of the news programs every day as it had been for years. Okay. This is depressing. Yeah. Continue. So, so Mr. Benedict... You know what we should do about this is elect a bunch of racists. <laughs> Mr. Ben... Well, Mr. Benedict... Uh, the racist part is not part of this book, but okay. um, Mr. Benedict unveils to them that he was once a trusted advisor to certain high officials in government, many of whom presided over government agencies. Many of these agencies have now been dismantled and a number of good men and women have gone missing. Um, But officials formerly attended to his remarks have grown skeptical of him. He knows that there are secret messages being transmitted through television and other broadcast media. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And uh, they're like, they're all in a children's voice. Mm -hmm. They're like these secret mnemonic messages or whatever and he has he's built a receiver so that he can at least decode he can at least like tune into what the messages are and he demonstrates it and there's like a children's voice saying the missing aren't missing they're only departed all minds keep all thoughts so like gold closely guarded grow the lawn and mow the lawn always leave the tv on brush your teeth and kill the germs poison apples poison worms stuff like that just coming out of your TV all day, but you're not hearing it. It's just going into your brain because it's a children's thoughts and children are often go unnoticed. So nobody actually like notices it worming into their brain. Okay, sure. Okay. Some of this is getting a little QAnon adjacent for me. Well, okay. (laughs) Mr. Benedict doesn't know what the aims of the, of the bad guy doing it are, but he knows Mm -hmm. that he's been stepping up his game that the messages are getting more intense, his technology is going to get is getting more powerful, and he wants to do something with it. He doesn't know, like Benedict doesn't know what the ultimate goal is, but basically, and you find this out later in the book, uh, that like the things being sent out into people's minds are what are causing this like general feeling of emergency. Sure, mm-hmm. um, that the world is not right and needs to be, you know, it it's falling apart. You know, you know, like maybe there's like, you know, a mysterious caravan coming up from another country that's going to, you know. Yeah. No, no. Just like maybe there, maybe people are watching TV and they're they're being told to be terrified of things that may or may not be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, OK, I get it. I, I'm yeah. OK. I'm with you. Um, And so he. OK, this is the part I wanted to I wanted to uh, tell you about. Um, to, Let me know if this reminds you of a movie. Oh, wonderful. Um, we know so all those messages are being broadcast through the TV, right? It's making everybody's brains go nuts. Uh-huh. Um, with just a few slight power increases, the sender will eliminate the need for television or radios to transmit his messages. He'll be able to broadcast his messages straight into everybody's minds. Even those of us with an uncommon love of truth will no longer be able to avoid the broadcasts. Uh it reminds me, Andrew, uh-huh, of the Riddler's scheme from Batman Forever. <laughs> He's just beaming crap into people's brains. <laughs> He's not sucking their intelligence, which is uh-huh. what the Riddler did. Yeah, but it's subliminal. Okay, because you you told me that there was some like Batman esque stuff going on with one of the subplots, and I just assumed that somebody was going to be dangled over a vat of acid. At, no, at some point. no. But no, I'm I'm glad it's more subtle than that. Yeah. <laughs> so. The adventure part of the book is that Benedict has the four kids sign up 
to and all four of these kids are orphans in their own way they've come yeah. you know they have their own situations how how far into the book like this is like a paid pages wise, at most okay all right all right all right um they are going to infiltrate the in, the learning institute for ver, for the very enlightened or live you always got to think about what the acronym is going to be yep well, it's that was what I was thinking about secret agent children group is like, that's not a, that's not a valid acronym. You need to try again. That's true. It is also evil backwards. So just think about that. Yeah, it makes you think. Yep. Um, and then the book like the kids are going to go there on their own. They're going to enroll in this institute that takes in these kids. And we don't know what they do there because Benedict hasn't been able to get in there. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's on this island. And so Benedict and his people will be like trying to monitor them through telescopes or whatever, and they can communicate using Morse code and flashlights. Uh, but other than that, like the kids are on their own. So like a thing that I think a lot of people do like about this book is that it is a kid-led mystery. Like the kids yeah. are the heroes. We're always with them. They're the ones driving all the action. They are the ones getting into and out of scrapes. There's like a little bit of a adults rush into the room to help like close out saving the day at the end. Mm-hmm. But the kids ultimately are the ones who uh, deal with the bad guy, Mr. Curtin and like get that door open mm-hmm. in the first place. Um, and in this Institute, there's like these clearly brainwashed like helper adults uh, who we learn have had some of their memories removed. There is a hierarchy of older kids called executives who all work for Mr. Curtin. Uh, and there are messengers, which if you do really well on your tests where you memorize things like uh, phrases like the free market must always be completely free. The free market must be controlled in certain cases. The free market must be free enough to control its freedom in certain cases. Uh, if you pass those tests, then maybe you can become a messenger. And we learn later that what messenger's job is, is to sit in a machine where your head is connected to Mr. Curtin's head. And he uses you to transmit the <laughs> the packets of brain information out into the world. Okay. <laughs> what? Yeah. Because he's cause also. also so just like Andrew, a weird Wi-Fi mind controlled situation. Yeah. And he, okay. Mr. Curtin invented these really powerful wind, uh, uh, water turbines mm-hmm. that he has all around this island. And so, because he's, uh, I don't know, because he's super smart and he invented these turbines. And so he's been like powering up his machine called the Whisperer uh, that allows him to send these messages. Mm-hmm. And so the kids have to find out not only what he's going to, what his ultimate end game is, but they have to find out how to stop him. Okay. And what questions do you have at this juncture? I just kind of want you to like keep rolling because it's, <laughs> like, yeah, it just it feels like there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. When you asked me before the break, what I thought about how it handled like the mystery, I don't know that there is like a. I did not feel the way this book was structured as like there's a central mystery to be uncovered from mm-hmm. the jump. You are told that Curtin is doing bad things. Mm-hmm. Yes, you learn a little bit more about what those bad things are, but it's not unveiled like a Holmesian kind of like and here's what was going on all along. Oh, OK, it's not it's not. Yeah. OK, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of like misdirection or they're being like duped by anyone it just sounds like maybe they're just finding out more about a thing as they yeah the thing that feels kind of fun and mysterious is you know they have to do a lot of sneaking around they have to uh you know they have to learn things surreptitiously Mm -hmm. um they have to crack codes uh, when they com- cracking codes when they communicate it's not even really a code but whenever they communicate with Mr. Benedict they have to send their Morse codes like as a riddle or mm-hmm. in like kind of otherwise obscure language just in case somebody saw their messages okay so like okay when they first see Mr. Curtin a dude rolls in in a wheelchair and he looks exactly like Mr. Benedict mm-hmm. and they're like what's going on what's happening Mm-hmm. And he write Mr. Benedict writes back through Morse code. 
when looking in my looking glass, I spied a trusted face. Alas, not to be taken for him am I. Beware, therefore, the Gemini. Okay. What do you think that means? And Gemini twins? Yes. So these little kids. I know about to... that from Katamari. Katamari. <laughs> <laughs> so the little kids have to suss out that, like, he's this twin, but they were both, you know, they were separated at birth. Mr. Benedict didn't know this about Mr. Curtin. That feels kind of weird. The uh-huh. twin thing mostly seems like a, on one hand, it's like a what adult can we trust thing. It's like mm-hmm. two, and it's two sides of the same like smart guy coin. Mm-hmm. The other thing is at the end of the book, when they are confronting Mr. Curtin, wouldn't you know, Andrew, that Mr. Curtin, because he is Mr. Benedict's twin, also suffers from narcolepsy. So they okay. can use it against him by making him angry and making him pass out. <sighs> okay. And when it happened, it had the energy of like, of course, Chekhov's narcolepsy. And as I was reading it, I was like, I don't know about that. That was one of the things that like when he talks about plotting the book carefully or trying to make thing- make sure that things are set up, that feels like a thing that he was like, ooh, I got, I got a thing that I'll come back later. I don't know that I I mean, you know, you know what this is is not and not to say that it's purely like derivative of stuff because all <laughs> all fiction ends up being derivative of something, but this is a real we're back a dinosaur story situation. Oh. You got like a Captain New Eyes Professor Screw Eyes <laughs> set up going on with these two because they were twins i'm on the we're back a dinosaur i watched wiki. you go to a wiki i wasn't sure what one you were pulling up yeah no i was pulling up the we're back a dinosaur story wiki which <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you should need to have two things in your like fictional universe to merit a wiki but uh, that's fine <laughs> <laughs> um yeah there's a lot of stuff in the 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 plotting of them at the live institute that is very interesting, and it's like it would take a long time to go beat to beat here on the pod, so I won't. Like, I just think mm-hmm. it's it's like fun kid adventure stuff. The dynamics between the kids are really cool because they they from the jump kind of click. Constance is always like, eh, but that's like her deal on purpose, mm-hmm. um, and it's balanced out by the fact that while they're in the institute, they whenever a message is being transmitted. It kind of gives them like nasty headaches and it makes them really irritable with each other. And so whenever there is conflict between the four of them, it both feels like true to them working through a problem. But whenever they're like outright snappy to each other, it's because they're like, you know, suffering from this terrible 5G disease. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) That's the thing that's striking me the most about it is it's all like, yeah, there are wireless waves in the air and like secret messages being broadcast to you through TV. And, (laughs) but like we're pretty close to like, yeah, actually chemtrails are real and we should be really worried about them. (laughs) Yeah. That part is kind of weird. The, the part where it is a, a megalomaniac, whipping up you know using children and using surrogates to like whip up a frenzy that will and you learn this is like the whole his whole master plan is that in response to the emergency like there will be a new world order that names him as the ministry minister and secretary of all the earth's regions mm-hmm. the acronym for that is master Jeez. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so he is going when, to. What is that? Does that spell anything backwards? I don't think so. Retsum. Yeah, Retsum. Flotsam and Retsum. Um, <laughs> Rotsum and Retsum. <laughs> Raggy. <laughs> Rutro. Um, Ursula. <laughs> they find like a journal where he is. Uh, <laughs> Rue unfortunate souls. He is um <laughs> like coming up with press releases and news clippings from the future after his own master plan has come into effect. Mm-hmm. And he's got like slogans for himself like Le Drop the Curtain stops the hurtin'. And all the kids are like, What is this? <laughs> and he is he is going to enact this kind of like 
He can also do the, what he calls brain sweeping, where he causes like low key amnesia, which mm-hmm. is how all these adults have gotten like lost and, and stuck there. Um, and he is going to set himself up as the best man to, to handle this epidemic of amnesia and mm-hmm. be named by all the governments of the world as like, you know, the guy in charge. That's his plan anyway. And the, the tension of the book is that he is very close to really powering up his system so that he doesn't need to use these kids in the same way anymore. And it will like the, the signal will get so strong that uh, he'll just like, you know, take over. He calls it the improvement. And so like the the kind of final action sequence of, you know, the final thing that happens in the book is that the, <laughs> the kids have to. And so Sticky and um, Rennie have become messengers. And so they by this point in the book, they have gone to the room where the Whisperer machine is. The the Whisperer machine reminds me of um, the the thing at the end of Wrinkle in Time that is both like controlling you and speaking inside your head and like mm-hmm. offering you uh not it's not panacea mm, is it panacea it's like well, comforting you a, in a way that it's like almost like a drug uh, okay i think panacea is more of like a cure all situation oh sure yeah. sure it's not quite that but okay. it it can it will identify what your greatest fear is but then like make you feel bad about it not make you feel bad like make you feel better about it by not thinking about it as opposed to confronting it um and rennie has this fear once he once he sits in it the first time that he's going to betray his friends to sit in that chair and feel so much better again and like Mm -hmm. ironically what i and i do really like this is when they get in the final uh sequence where they have given everyone in the institute food poisoning like it's american vandal season two (laughs) so that they are the only messengers available to go be in the machine for mr curtain (laughs) um rennie goes into the machine and the machine's like oh wow your your uh your biggest fear is that you're going to betray your friends you won't do that you're very brave and he's like you know what i am very brave thanks machine it like gives him (laughs) it gives him the wherewithal to like help save the day which i think is is pretty cool Mm -hmm. um so they do ultimately foil his plan, uh, but he gets away at the end. Um, but then Mr. Benedict like kind of reveals the institute to governments, and they like take him seriously. And so mm-hmm. like whatever Curtin does in the sequels, you know who knows. But he got he he was foiled this time. Okay. Um, I wonder if there's any book where he does like a brief face turn for a little bit. You know, Feels like you know, you if you have a twin of your hero as the villain, you're kind of opening yourself up to, you know, eventually finding the good in that person. Maybe if yep. you really, if you really want to. Something that is interesting, um, I think I noted it. I I saw it in a review of the TV show. Is there are some of the kids, the older kids who work at the institute, who are just jerkos. They're just yeah. mean, and they're they're. Uh, the point is that they're there and that they are mean to our heroes. And they probably, I'm, honestly, they probably didn't pass enough tests. That's probably why they added more tests for later kids. Uh, and they don't get like a um, a moment to come around and be good again. Like they don't mm-hmm. get to like have a nice ending. And I kind of like, I kind of thought that was fine about the book. I think like it's not that type of book where everybody needs to be redeemed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a little more uh, old school and it's kind of like heroes and villains type stuff. And I think in the TV show, at least one or two of those characters got to have a like, Oh, but actually they, you know, came around or were misunderstood. And mm-hmm. eh, I don't, I don't know that I needed that to have happened here. I thought those, those were bad kids. They were villains. I don't know. Um, yeah. The stuff that, so that one review mentioned about like kind of disturbing there's a creepy stuff there is a um creepy uh, the bad things the adults were doing to the kids so certainly the put them in a mind control machine to use their brain to send out wi-fi energy to control the world <laughs> pretty bad I mean, yeah i would say not gr- i would rate that as not great the other thing is sort of the equivalent of uh the break room from severance where there's something called the waiting room that Sticky has to go to 
because they have caught him helping Kate and Constance cheat on the on the quizzes in their class because they're trying to mm-hmm. make Kate and Constance do better so they can also be messengers. It doesn't work out. Um, and Sticky has to go to the waiting room, and it's never described directly. Like Sticky tries to relay some of his experience. It is this like awful room full of goo and mud and creepy crawlies and you just have to be in there for like a day and it's pitch Mm -hmm. black it's awful and he comes out like really shell-shocked from it and sticky's like you know he's just a little guy sticky he's just a little sticky just a little sticky boy and so he is not uh he does not do well with that and if you really think through what is going on there it's pretty messed up i would not i would you know there we talked about the rolled doll part of this book and like there are worse things that happen to kids in rolled doll books than what happened to kids in this book. Yeah, usually because the kids are mean or fat though. That's that's the, those are the two reasons why bad stuff can happen to you in a rolled doll book is if you're mean or fat or both. Yeah, that's a good point. The book is mm-hmm. also just occasionally just kind of like, you know, it's pretty straightforward with the amount of danger that they're in. Constance who is very small and that's one of her defining characteristics. Also that she's sleepy all the time and she's always irritable. Uh, and she always, you know, her role in everything is to kind of be uh, obstinate and actually helps her when she is in the machine towards the end of the book because mm-hmm. she helps like short circuit the machine. Um, they, She's also, as I said, very sensitive to these irritable messages that get sent out. She actually starts hearing the voices before anybody else does. Um, and it's very troubling for her. And they refer to her as a canary in a coal mine. And she's throughout the book because she's so little. And you find out that at the end, she is like two years old, but she's just a genius. So like, what? Yeah. The reason she's so small is that she's a literal toddler. I and, didn't know she was that small. I yeah. We're talking like, yeah, like, like eight year old small. No, these are all like, you know, I think Sticky might be nine or 10 and the other kids are like 11 or 12. And okay. she's like, I thought a all the little kids were kid. like three or four years older than that. Okay. No, 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 no. Uh, they aged them up for the TV show too, I think, which was also people weren't happy about. But yeah. Constance well, I mean, is a baby. listen, you, have you tried to cast a two year old? No, to well, play that's a, a that was TV my first role, thought like, when I, yeah. when they revealed that Constance was like two or three. Um, so throughout the book, she's always like, asking them what they mean when they use idioms and stuff because she doesn't understand any of them. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, a canary in a coal mine. And Sticky is like, oh, yeah, miners used to bring canaries with them to gauge oxygen levels in the mine. If the canary died, they knew the oxygen was running out. And she just goes, if the canary died? <laughs> like, Constance is really... I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I liked all the kids. I think that was one of the things uh, that I liked the most about the book is like the way they work together their friendship that evolved over the course of the book. They each got to have their like shining hero moments. Um, and there, yeah, it's a neat, it's, I don't know. It's, it, it feels archetypical and kind of elemental in, in the, the types of kids they are, but it also felt, uh, like he had really considered how they fit into the plot. Yeah, I feel it feels like Trent has a good feel for like we we've mentioned a couple times that there are similarities between this and other works, just like some elements of of tropiness. But it sounds like he knows his way around the tropes, and that's part of what makes the book yep. work well. Like it's your the the mention about the like not understanding idioms thing yeah. is a good a good example. Like that that is a reliable comic engine for a story to have mm-hmm. a character who does not understand idioms. <laughs> Yes, and you can uh, come uh, back to that well a, a lot of times to use an to use an idiom. <laughs> <laughs> a well, uh, <laughs> and like Kate has like all sorts of physical humor and physical adventures because she's this acrobat kid, and so like she's always coming into the boys' dorm room like through the ceiling panel and like dropping down with her rope, mm-hmm. and like they do that enough times that they get to like re you know not remix it era era, but like you know a thing happens that you don't expect because you've had the the thing set up a few times um, yeah that sort of thing uh and yeah it is i well final thought it doesn't have a overarching mystery that i found super satisfying in in like a westing game way 
Mm-hmm. It is like the bad guys doing bad guy stuff. Yeah, they find out his plan, but then they just foil it. Like it, his plan is yeah. not a mystery. He wants to control the world. Yeah. The the mystery is a lot of the little beats where they have to like suss out where the next step they want to take is, or they have to solve a riddle to unlock a door or something. And those are all like really satisfying in the moment. He's pretty he's a, a he's pretty clever at where those go in the story and what they are um so that like it never feels like a, a like a monkey island puzzle where you're just like I don't know, you just slam two unrelated things together and it's a pun and it solves the thing. Like it's a mm-hmm. they're always pretty satisfying when you if you haven't figured out the solution um it's unveiled in a way that that doesn't feel cheap. Uh, sure. Which I think is is really fun for a kid the same age as some of the characters. Not Constance. You shouldn't read this with a three year old, but um, if you're like eleven or twelve and it doesn't and it's not too spooky for you, I think you'll have a good time. You know, with the uh, the level of puzzle solving. Sure. So. Yeah, that's um, the mysterious Benedict side. No eggs, Benedict. Um, plenty of good illustrations by the wife of the guy from the Sempers. <laughs> uh and it is a little long but but you know that that happens it does yeah Um, there's a there's a book that there are books that are long and there are books that feel long and it seems like this one did not feel no it didn't so the there the individual scenes were satisfying enough that i was like happy to read more of them so yeah yeah um well that's it andrew thanks for letting me tell you about this book Thanks for telling me about it. Yeah, I I don't I don't wish I had a puzzle for you to solve at this moment, but I know I mean you can't. Maybe the whole podcast was it has been a test this whole time. If you pass the test, <laughs> send us an email overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media at overduepod. Thanks to Book Girl Adela, Sonia, Debbie, Nathan, Grace, and many more for reaching out. Um, folks excited about our schedule for the month. Um, it's already the middle of August, so we'll be sharing the September schedule soon, I'm sure. Uh, Nick Loran just composed our theme music. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. Up there we have the list of books that we are going to read for the month. Next week, I'm going to read Madame Bovary by Gustave Flaubert. Mm. Madame Bovary. Uh, we also have links to our Patreon <laughs> Our Patreon page, patreon.com slash overdue pod. Go there, support the show, uh, join our Discord, which is a lot of fun. Get access to bonus episodes early, including our uh, ongoing Sandman uh, bonus episode series, a long read series, I mean, I mean to say, called Sand By Me. Yeah. And uh, I'll sit in on bonus episode recordings sometimes. And yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I think it's fun. I do think it's fun. All right, everybody. Until we see you and Madame Bovary next week, everybody, please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.